The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Is that it relates to people who paid for private nursing homes, uh, and they argued that because they had a medical card, um, they were entitled to a full refund of the cost, regardless of the cost or regardless of which nursing home they chose. The state has never conceded that. Um, but there have been some cases that, that have been settled, and it will be the case from time to time that government departments will. You've no doubt we're going cases. to hear a lot more about um, this. But they're not all settled, and there was never yeah. there was never a, a test case that went to trial. So, uh, look, it needs to be looked into properly. Yeah. Um, but I think it's fair to say that um, the way it was presented uh, on Sunday is is the real picture is a lot more okay, complex well, than that. Obviously, and certainly, what I can say, I was never, I was never um, party to. Uh, devising or agreeing a legal strategy in relation to nursing home charges. That was Thysia Gleav Radker on this show yesterday. There will now be a probe from the Attorney General into whether there was a state strategy to deny refunds of illegally charged nursing home fees. And for more on this, I'm joined by political editor of the Irish Examiner, Daniel McConnell. Talk to Daniel in a moment. Uh, and Roshan Shortall, a joint leader of the Social Democrats, TD for Dublin Northwest. Uh, good morning to you both. Um, Roshan Shortall, were you aware of this memo? It's been dubbed a stealth memo. Keep it quiet. Uh, good morning, Pat. No, I wasn't. I was in the Department of Health for a period of about 18 months between 2011 and 2012. Um, and my responsibility was for primary care. I was the Minister of State for primary care. So I wasn't involved at all in relation to long-term care, nursing home care or hospitals or anything like that. Uh, and it certainly seems that the uh, memo that we've read about now was agreed by a very small number of senior ministers. Obviously, it was brought by then Minister for Health, James Riley, and then it was the four senior ministers in the government of, at the time who uh, seemed to sign off on this. So it was kept very tight, it would appear, and then that strategy was you know, pursued and pursued up to the present day. And the allegation, of course, is that, the, that a briefing on that strategy was provided then to subsequent ministers yeah. for health. So Just to, to summarise, uh, Roshin, what that strategy was, uh, if it turned out that someone believed they they were illegally uh, charged fees for fees that should not have been so levied and they took a case against the state. The idea was settle it. If we're going to lose it, settle it and don't uh, bring publicity down on our heads because if everybody gets to hear about this, we'll be banjoed. Yeah, that seems to have been the strategy all right. And while there were a very large number of people impacted by the failure to provide services and the decision uh, of previous governments to to impose charges, um, none of those cases, of course, came to court. And, you know, this seems to be a fairly common strategy that's pursued by government in relation to a whole lot of different cases. That doesn't make it right, of course. And, you know, the, the, the general advice seems to be fight this as hard as you can, keep cases out of court and reduce exposure. Now, it seems that no minister involved in this, and, you know, there there were those five original ones and then subsequently, no minister actually stopped to say, is this fair? Why are we treating people, you know, with very low incomes in this manner? Why are we going after them when we should have been providing uh, public uh, nursing home care for people uh, when they needed it? And unfortunately, you know, that kind of approach to health care continues to this day because there is very, there are very few legal entitlements to any aspect of health care. They have this thing that's called eligibility. People can hmm. be eligible for services depending on their means, but there is no legal entitlement, unlike, for example, social welfare in 
entitlement. And that's, I think, at the heart of this. And that's what actually That's a, that's a, a peculiar concept, uh, Roisin, if you'd enlarge on that, if you would, that you're entitled to it, but not legally entitled to it. You have an eligibility yeah. for public services. And that's how it's expressed in law and in, in the legislation. So if your means are such, you know, if, if you have low means, you are eligible to get public health services. But there is no legal entitlement to those public health services. And I mean, this is something that was dealt yeah. with in the context of Slauncher Care, for example. And the call is that we actually legislate for legal entitlement. To so an example might be that you are eligible for a home care package However, we don't have any packages to give. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the difficulty in it. You're eligible if the services are there. And we know in, you know, in so many different cases that, that the services just are not there or they're completely inadequate and there's long waiting lists. And that's why there has been a difficulty in establishing public rights, uh, you know, human rights to basic public health care. Mm. And that needs to be addressed. One of the threads running through this is that sometimes... Uh, ministers when they make a decision, governments when they make decisions uh, don't necessarily join all the dots and one of the contentions in the story in the Mail on Sunday originally I think, this is just from memory was that you know, Micheál Martin ex- extends eligibility for medical cards to all the over 70s without necessarily thinking well what is this going to cost us? Uh, well, that's that's true, yeah. But I mean, I think the more fundamental thing is the approach to public services, and it's not, of course, only in healthcare that we see cases like this being challenged because of no underlying uh, legal entitlement. Um, what we see, we see it in relation to you know disability services all of the time, you know, and that's why we need a rights-based approach to public services. Um, you know, so that we don't have yeah. situations like this um, arising. And, and that's Roisin, about identifying you, what citizens should be yeah. entitled to. You, you were in government at the time and, uh, you know, it was a time of quite severe economic difficulty. And I, I'm wondering, you know, in, in the sense that during that crisis, Michael Noonan dipped into people's private pensions. Um, you know, needs must sometimes curbs uh, ambitions for spending. Well, that will frequently be the advice. You know, you limit the exposure of the state. And um, I think that's the general legal advice. But it is up to then the political system and to ministers to ensure that that strategy is not pursued in a way that is deeply unfair to people. And we know that in relation to the state pursuing families and individuals for uh, nursing home charges, like the basic thing is that the state didn't provide public nursing home care or sufficient uh, quantities of it. And then because they didn't do that, they thought it was legitimate to go after uh, people with very low means to actually pay for that. And that's the, the key thing. I mean, is this right? Was it right? Is it fair to people? And we know that many, you know, hundreds if not thousands of families and individuals were put through the ringer in relation to this, mm. had to sell homes, sell, you know, parts of farms and that kind of thing uh, in order to pay those charges with, which the state were demanding that they pay when in fact they should have had a, an entitlement to uh, th- those public nursing home services. Yeah, so they had eligibility but not 
entitlement. That may be the legal um, heart of this, that the, it'll all end up being parsed in that light. Anyway, Roisin, thank you very much for uh, sharing with us your experience of the Ministry uh, of Health at that time. Danny McConnell, a political editor with the Irish Examiner. Danny, what do you make of this story? Because it came almost out of nowhere, but it derived from a whistleblower. It did. And, uh, it's a very significant story, Pat, without uh, uh, any doubt, because it, the reach of this story, because it's not only historical, it's still current. So there are implications, obviously, for previous ministers for health and for previous Tishi, but there is, you know, connotations and ramifications for the current incumbent in that in that post, Stephen Donnelly, because this is still a current. If the story is to be, you know, it holds true, you know, this is still a current policy and active policy of government. Um, now, Leo Varadkar on your show yesterday morning came out and said, you know, nothing to see here. I wasn't involved in any strategies, so on and so forth. But the, the government position shifted several times during yesterday to the point where we now have the Attorney General uh, now looking into this issue to see if there's any uh, matter that the government now needs to deal with. We've had opposition members you know, raised this issue significantly, calling for emergency sittings of the Public Accounts Committee and also seeking time at the Doyle Business Committee yesterday, an emergency meeting of the Doyle Business Committee yesterday, uh, to facilitate time for this issue to be debated in the coming days. Now, we know on foot of a request from the Department of Health that that debate in the Doyle won't happen until next next week, but there is certainly pressure on from the opposition to, to hear the government, and I, undoubtedly I will see this coming up at either leaders' questions or under promised legislation at some point today or tomorrow because there is a sense of urgency. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, you know, this this kind of would, um, I suppose, confirm many people's suspicions about the cruelty of the state and how it can treat some of the most vulnerable people in our society, even when they've failed them. And we saw this, as Roisin said, during cervical check, and we've seen it through other examples. Um, and, and I'm not surprised that the Department of Health is in relation to this because it has a woeful record of treating some of the poorest and weakest people in this society appropriately and with due care. So there is definitely uh, significance to this story. And clearly, the government was playing a game of containment yesterday in order to... um, to try and not allow this kind of dominate the political agenda, but on, I think from their side, you know, when you see this, you know, the statement that the statement that we got very late last night, in which they turn around and were seeking to defend the fact that they were kind of um, engaging in this sort of strategy. Now they they kind of quibbled with the representation of it that it was, you know, they seem to think that this was much more to do about a much smaller set of people in terms of those entitled to private nursing home care, as as Tonis or the TCC sought to outline on your program yesterday. But from the documents that I have seen, um, the documents that Michael O'Farrell put out in the public domain on, on Sunday, this is a much larger story than the government is, is seeking to admit at the moment. Um, and I certainly think we, we certainly haven't heard the last of this uh, not, and not by a long shot. Mm. Um, what ministers see or don't see, of course, um, and whether their eyes were upon a document. I mean, one of the um, releases suggested that that the whistleblower's document goes to um, the minister's office and then because it's a PAC matter, it, it's bounced on to them. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure what ministers see, what they don't see. The book stops at their desks, whether or not it's an official who takes an action or, uh, you know, a junior member of staff. The book stops on the desk. It absolutely does. And, and rem- rem- let's remember, in in law... And, you know, government departments are, don't exist essentially. You know, the people, if, if you are, say, taking a legal case against 
the Department of Health, you take it against the minister because the, the minister is the legal entity uh, in law. So therefore, the minister is ultimately responsible for the goings on in his or her department. We certainly know from the documents, again, that I've seen and the documents that are out in the public domain, that that memo, the key memo in which that sort of the 2011 memo, which you know had that kind of sort of key extract in relation to minimising and not not letting this get out of the public domain for fear of kind of greater exposure to the state. I mean, that was a memo from the Minister of Health. It wasn't to the Minister of Health from his officials. It was from the Minister uh, for Health to, uh, you would, you have to presume, and Michael O'Farrell in his story seems to think it went to a group of ministers, including then Taoiseach Enda Kenny, Tom Shaman, Gilmore, Michael Noonan and Brendan Howland. Now, speaking to Brendan Howland yesterday, he seemed to, he had no recollection of this memo and certainly had no recollection of any sort of representation to that core body, what was known as the Economic Management Council, that was a kind of four-man subcommittee of the cabinet, which essentially ran ran the affairs of the state at that time. He had no recollection of that matter going to uh, to, to that particular body. So um, there is certainly an element of people trying to kind of get their, their, their ducks in a row and try to figure out their involvement in this, because this has potential very serious consequences uh, for those who are still in elective office, because, uh, you know, w- when you look at it and you look at what has been presented and the, the, the very strong... Uh, Perception and my read of the documents is that there was a very deliberate strategy to to penalise those who were, had already been wronged by the state. And um, you know, it was essentially up to their their own means. And many people didn't have the means to take on the might of the state. Um, it was up to those who did. And when they did, obviously, as we know, cases were settled and kept quiet. So um, this is a, this is a very serious and very significant story. Mm-hmm. Without without a question. Um, the line is that it's very complex and, and tortuous, and it will need to be. Um, probably gone through with a fine tooth comb for its legality and so on. You wonder, though, about politicians making decisions which, were they to come to light, would really come back to bite them. Yeah, and, and again, it goes back to your point earlier on of like, what were they told and how were they told? I mean, if you imagine you're a new minister in office a certain number of weeks and your official comes in and puts a memo in front of you and say, listen, this has been our active strategy for 10 or 15 years. It's worked. You're being told, you know, there's nothing really much to see here, whatever that. You know, are you really, given the, how busy you are as a minister, are you really going to have the capability to go through it with a fine tooth comb and, and understand the significance of it? Maybe not. But that, in my view, doesn't excuse the mm. the, the, the continuation of such a policy. Um, and particularly, obviously, because there had been a flashpoint in 2004, 2005, Mary Harney had tried to do something about it. You know, the Supreme Court had obviously shot this down. That obviously led to some way in terms of the fair deal scheme uh, coming on stream. Um, we know that Michal Martin was challenged by Liz McManus, then of the Labour Party, about this in the Dáil when he was Minister for Health, and he gave a commitment at that point, according to Dáil records, that you know the arrears essentially will be paid. And we know, obviously, know that that's not the case. Um, so there are certainly questions to be asked in relation to the, to the strategy um, that that has been pursued. I suppose what people will just want to know is, you know, the figure of 12 billion was estimated by the department back in 2011. What's that estimate now? Is it bigger or is it smaller? And two. You know, you know. Obviously, Rossa Fanning, the new Attorney General, is looking into this, and he will obviously make a key determination as to whether or not there is, you know, a kind of a redress scheme needed here in terms of those who have been wronged, or whether or not the state strategy does he come down on on, on the point of view that the state strategy was legitimate, and it's then up to the individuals involved to kind of test that in the courts. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at nine a.m. On News Talk.